Now, when God blesses me, it's because he has poured out into my life. several uh, weeks now we have been considering um, how the Trinity uh, works out in very practical ways. The Trinity is the teaching of Scripture that there is one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, we've been trying to suggest that this is not some hard-to-understand doctrine that only theologians uh, should consider, but that uh, rather uh, the experience of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is integral to the life of the believer and the Christian, and that in point of fact, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you experience the Trinity every day, and that you know more about the Trinity than you think, and uh, that uh, um, the Trinity as a doctrine, as a teaching of Scripture, then is a great occasion uh, for praise and adoration to be given to God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, we spoke a little bit about uh, the Trinity and raising children as a way to understand what the goal of child raising is, that they would know they have a Father in heaven, that they have a brother whom they can always copy, and that there is a Spirit who will always be with them and help them. Uh, we suggested also that the Trinity is a good way to think about uh, what it means to enter into the Christian life, that we are baptized into the Father, into the deep, profound uh, majesty and glory of who God is, at the same time baptized into the great reality of Jesus Christ who died for our sins, was raised on our behalf, baptized into the Holy Spirit. That means that whatever God uh, asks us to do, we can do. Wherever he would lead us, we can go. And so the Christian life itself is a reliance upon and a life in uh, the context of the Trinity, the triune nature of God as one God in three persons. Last week we looked a little bit at the way in which uh, the Trinity gives us the framework and the understanding with which we can come to problems in our lives and to find real solutions as God the Father bestows the wisdom of the Son upon us by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we are uh, then enabled to live uh, in the uh, will of God in a way pleasing to God because of the reality of the Trinity. Uh, now, I want you to know this has not been a sermon series. I had no intention of preaching a sermon series. It just turns out to be several sermons in a row that have a common theme, but this hasn't been a series. And so as we come to the last of a sermon with a common theme that's not in the uh, uh, series, um, I wanted for us to look at the Trinity with regard to the issue of comfort. Uh, one of the reasons for coming to that is that comfort is something that we all need and we are all called upon to share at some point in our lives. 
there will come an occasion in your life, or if you haven't reached it already, when you will need uh, encouragement, you will be sad and need someone to help you lift up your spirits, you'll be despondent and need someone to show you that there is yet hope, uh, you will feel like a failure, you need someone to show you that there's yet more to come. And so comfort is something that we will all need at some point, and e every bit as much as you will need comfort at some point in your life, you will be called upon to give comfort and to offer comfort at some point in your life as well. And so it's a very um, important aspect of life in general, and particularly life as a believer in Christ. So that's one reason for looking at the issue of comfort. The other reason is it just happens to be almost a perfect picture of the love of God in Christ Jesus. Let me give you the Greek word for comfort, parakletos. Um, the English version of that word is paraclete. Uh, some of you will know that that's one of the titles of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's a word that means to call alongside. And in that sense, the, the notion of comfort in the vocabulary of the Greek New Testament is that uh, uh, one is called alongside to walk with you, to encourage you, to strengthen you when needed, to speak for you, and those kinds of things. And that's the sense in which the Holy Spirit is called the great comforter. You remember that in John 17, Jesus said um, that I will pray the Father, and he will send you another comforter, sometimes translated another helper. And he's the one who will show you the truth, and he will be with you. And the world doesn't know a thing about him because they can't know about him, but you will because I will send the Holy Spirit to you, and the Holy Spirit is the great comforter. And so just in the, the vocabulary of comfort in the Greek New Testament, we have this a very wonderful picture of someone coming alongside of us in our life's journey to walk with us. Now there's another aspect of that, and that's the English word comfort. It comes from the Latin, uh, and it is two Latin words, by the way, Lincoln. Uh, but it uh, comes from two Latin words. One is fortis, that means uh, to be brave, and the word con, which means to be with. And so the word comfort actually means to be brave with someone. And, and to me, that's the picture of coming to a person who is fearful in life, who because of the, the direction life has gone, who because of the, the uh, things going ar ar on around them and swirling around them has, has reached a point where they're just a little bit lacking in courage and there's a little bit of fearfulness and they need someone to come and be brave with them to just face uh, the onslaught of the world and the onslaught of life and to be brave with them in that regard. I find this to be a wonderful picture of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Absolutely a perfect picture of that. You see, in receiving the comfort of God, uh, I've known some times when uh, the sadness was overwhelming and the darkness of the sadness was overwhelming. Any of you who have had uh, episodes of depression know what I'm talking about. Um, those of you who don't, I pray you never do. But if you have, you know what it's like to be very sad. And the sad is so, sadness is so real that it's like a physical weight on your heart. Now, it, at that moment in my life, I did not hear God say, buck up. He did not say to me in my sadness, look, every cloud has a silver lining. He never said to me, tomorrow is another day. 
He didn't tell me, what do you got to be sad about? Look how wonderful life is. Listen to the birdies sing. Listen to the rustling of the wind. Come on, fella, snap out of it. God didn't say that to me. You know what he said? Jesus. Oh, he said it in a lot of different ways. One of the ways he said it was by sending Christ at all, who is Emmanuel, God with us. What God said to me in my sadness was, you're not alone. I have sent the Savior who is with you, who has borne your griefs and your sorrows. He's a man acquainted with grief. He's, he's one who knows where you are from the inside. God said, in your sadness, I didn't abandon you. I came to you, and I sat down beside you, and I'm here to walk with you. In, the, in that moment, it's as if Jesus came to me and he said, I will be brave for you, and we'll be brave together. And something that I could never achieve happened as we walked through the years of sadness. And finally, the one who is light brought us out of the darkness into the light. In the days of my sin, in those moments when you just look at yourself and you say, how, how much longer can God put up with this? You know, I keep trying and failing. I keep trying and failing. And, and uh, I, I know there's a standard of righteousness, and I, and I don't see that in my own life. And I don't see attaining to where I need to be to bring God the glory he deserves. And you're, you have an overwhelming sense of sin in your life. And I can tell you one thing that God did, did not say to me when that conviction of sin comes upon me. He never says to me, try harder. And he never says, come on, you can do it. He never says, you know, just take a little break now and come back to it fresh and you'll, you'll be okay, you'll manage. Do you know what he said to me? Jesus, who was sent, Emmanuel, God with us, and who, when he was baptized, the Father said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. On the Mount of Transfiguration, he said, Listen to him. God said Jesus to me by sending him to die on the cross for my sin, so that I do not bear the sin any longer, not as a lazy thing or a lackadaisical thing, not, not as, as, as a matter of it doesn't, that doesn't uh, really matter whether or not I sin, but rather my sin was so important to God that it be rid from my life that he sent his only begotten son to die in my place, raised him from the dead. And now in moments of conviction, the Savior comes to me and he walks with me. And in the face of temptation, he becomes brave and strong for me. You know, in, in those moments when I've been just at wit's end, and I didn't know what to do next, God didn't tell me, think about it. He didn't tell me, you know, study harder, read more books. You know what he said to me? Jesus, who is the power and the wisdom of God. 
in moments of grief when you stand beside the grave and you see the nearest on earth and dearest to you being set into the grave. And the sorrow is overwhelming. God did not say to me, oh well, they lived a happy life. Oh well, they, they even got to live into old age. You got to go sometime, buddy. You know what God said to me at that moment? Jesus, who rose from the dead, ascended on high and is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us, Jesus on high, so that when we lift our eyes heavenward and we set our hearts and our affections on things above and not on things on earth, we are lifted up out of the constriction and the confinement and the paralysis of our grief, and we are lifted into the joy of heaven. So that's why I say that comfort is actually a very good picture of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. He has sent his only begotten son into our midst. The word became flesh, dwelt among us. God sent his son to walk beside us, to comfort us, to strengthen us, to be brave with us. And that's who our Jesus is, and that's how we experience the comfort of God. When we come to Christ, and by faith we accept his atoning work, his shed blood for our sins, the Holy Spirit moving our hearts, moving our minds in the direction of Christ so that we would love him. And then the comfort of God comes to us, and the comfort of God comes upon us. Beloved, I offer you the comfort of God this morning. I offer you the comfort of God not because... I have some great insight. I offer you the comfort because God brought me to the cross by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I know that when you come to the cross, God's Spirit moving your heart, you will know that comfort and that peace from God. When you think about it, I mean, and do right now, think about it. Comfort without the Father is no comfort at all. It's just a distraction. That's all it is. You know, when we're hurting and we're, we're, we're just sort of in need of, of someone to help us along and, and a person comes and they give us all the slogans, all the trite sayings, all the little verbiage that people have used across the years to try and explain things, but they leave the Father out, all they're doing is distracting you. You know, when they say, well, you know, think about something else. Think happy thoughts or something, or, or think about all you do have. And they never mention the Father. All they're saying to you is, just don't think about it. Numb your mind. Get distracted. But as sure as death comes to us all, as sure as there is a judgment upon us all, as sure as Christ is coming again, it still matters. And that's why there's comfort only in the Father. And only by the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of the Son. So that's how we receive the comfort of God. It's by faith in Christ uh, that the Father gives to us. Now, um, with that sort of as the uh, prelude, then I want for us to look at a couple of verses in this passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to look at verses 3 and 4. And what we're going to look at here uh, is the manner in which we are conduits and share the comfort of God with others. All right? So that's, that's what we're looking at now. We just 
wanted to testify a little bit about how the comfort of God comes to us, now how we are used to bring the comfort of God to others. In verse 3, 2 Corinthians 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, we got two out of three of the Trinity right there. The God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, by now we don't need to dwell on that, but you just need to have your antenna up as you're reading through the Scriptures how often the language of the Trinity is set before us. It's, it's Scriptures like this uh, that have driven us as believers in Christ to proclaim one God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Father of mercies, uh, that word for mercy there is sometimes translated as pity. It's not the normal word for uh, mercy that uh, we would most uh, often encounter. But the idea there is the father of pity and mercy who knows exactly what's going on. And the father who cares deeply for you. He's the father of mercy. I, 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 in this regard, I, I think of the time that uh, God came to Moses in the burning bush. Maybe you remember that. Uh, he came up, saw the burning bush, approached, take your shoes off, who are you, all that. But then God said to him, said, look, I have heard the cries of my people in Egypt. Children of Israel were in Egypt. They were in bondage. They were in slavery. They were being worked to death. They'd been praying. This had been going on for several hundred years, 400, 430, depending on how you want to count it. And now at this point, God says, I've heard the cries and prayers, and I know the suffering of my people. That's the pity of God. That's the mercy of God. Now, here's what I do with that. This, this, is, this is spiritual Wayne, unspiritual Wayne. All right, Here, here's cynical, spirit, unspiritual Wayne. Well, God, you heard the cries of your people. Why couldn't you have heard it a hundred years ago? We've been praying for a hundred years. Where have you been? Why now? If you could help now, why couldn't you help then? See, you've never said that. You know, you've never questioned the timing of God. You've never wondered about why God does some things now and he didn't do them before or why he doesn't wait. You've always wondered about the timing of God and you've always been pretty sure that if God would only give you his calendar, you could schedule things for him better than he does. You've all been convinced of that and that's what Wayne over here is convinced of. Now the Holy Spirit brings me over here and tells you this, God's timing is perfect. And the way in which God responds to our needs and brings us the comfort is absolutely perfect. And while for a little, little time, for a short while, it seems as though the suffering is just going to go on and on and on, the despondency, the despair will go on and on and on, God is the God of mercy. He's the Father of all mercy. And you are never lost from God's sight. Okay? So that's the first thing that, that we've got to understand. Is, is, this isn't a throwaway line. The Father of mercies. Genuine mercy comes from the Father. And that includes the vastness of the wisdom of God, the timing of God, the working of God, the will of God. All of that's wrapped up in that word. So, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. True comfort is found only in the Father. He's the source of all comfort for us. He's the creator. Everything that is, he made it. He understands exactly how it works. And he understands exactly how you work. 
and how you fit in to the grand scheme of things. Now, this is why it's comforting to know that. You are not inconsequential to God, and your suffering is not nothing to God. It's something to God. And just to jump ahead a little bit, you know, when you're sharing comfort, you're trying to comfort someone, why is it we think we have to come up with answers and we have to explain everything? When the Father is the author of all comfort and all we need to do is say, look, here's the Father, and you can know him through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the Father. That's where your comfort comes from. You know, you don't have the answers, I don't have the answers. He has the answers. And you can trust him for that. All right. So there we are. The um, Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. How does he do that? He does that in Jesus Christ. That is how he comforts us. Uh, that is how he comes into our lives, by the power of his grace in the person of Jesus Christ, demonstrating the love of the Father by dying on the cross even while we were yet sinners. That comfort of God comes by a personal relationship with Christ. That's the, that's the, the meaning of it, the shape of it, the scope of God's comfort is Jesus Christ. The Father comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. In other words, the idea is you, you experience the comfort of God. That happens so that you can now share that comfort with others. And we do that with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. In other words, whatever God has done for us, we become a channel that others might know that comfort as well. Now, here's the, um, the, 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 the part that confuses me uh, in this equation. This is the, the verse that, that people are thinking of when they say things like, whatever I'm going through, God is teaching me something so I can teach others. God is letting me go through this so I can help others go through it too. And that, that, that's true, but, okay, cynical Wayne over here says, God, if you're teaching me this and letting me suffer this so that I can help someone else go through it, why don't you cut out the middleman, leave me out of the equation, and just deal with them? You don't need me to deal with them. Why, why do you have to have me to go along and, and, and suffer through all these things just so I can tell somebody else, you got it bad, I had it worse. There's a logic to that, isn't there? Let me see if I can unpack why this is actually a glorious verse. Paul says, we are comforted by God in our affliction so that we might comfort others in their affliction with that same comfort from God. In other words, bear testimony to the comfort of God. Here's the importance of it. Back up to verse 3, the very first word. What does it say? It says, blessed. See, we just, we just danced by it because we're all used to this by now. You know, we, you know, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be the name of the Lord, you know, blessed be the name, blessed be the name. You know. We just sing that blessed name, you know, oh, bless the Lord, you know. Now let's just stop and think for a moment. The scripture says, blessed be God. Blessed be the God and Father. Now when God blesses me, it's because he has poured out into my life 
the, the riches and the wonders of heaven. He has poured into my life the glory of his grace. He has given to me what is his and his alone, and he has allowed it to come into my life so that I might experience it, and by faith in Christ, I might have these wonderful, just marvelous riches of God. It all comes from him, and he is blessing me with the riches of heaven. That's what it means when God blesses me. What does it mean when I bless God? Do I give him something? Do I, do I show up in heaven and say, well, you know, Lord, I, I understand that the screen door is sticking. I'm here to fix it for you. Oh, bless God. No, it's all, all his. I don't have anything to bring him except to praise and adore him for his blessings toward me. The cycle of blessing is he blesses us richly. Uh, as, as my college roommate used to say, he blesses us out of our minds. And then our blessing back to God is worship, praise, and adoration. That's how we bless God. It's not, you know, we don't give him something and add to him. We simply worship and adore him. So we could read that scripture, let us praise, worship, adore, magnify, let us glory in the fact of who he is. Let us bless God. Now, that is the purpose of this paragraph of Scripture. It says, let us bless God, and here's one reason why. We're going to bless God because he is the Father of mercy. He's the God of all comfort. He has comforted us in Christ, and now he has given us this marvelous ministry of comforting others with that same comfort he gave us. And so when I go through the trial and the tribulation, and God is showing me his comfort all along the way, it's not so that I can be some genius and now go on the lecture circuit and make CDs and sell books about how to be comforted, the reason God takes me through that is so that he might be praised, honored, and glorified in my life and praised, honored, and glorified in the life of everyone that I can talk to. You see, even our comfort is all about the glory of God. Even the comfort we experience along the way is also that we might worship, praise, and adore him. And this takes place in the context of the fact that God is Father, the author of all comfort. He is Son, in whom that comfort comes to us. He is Holy Spirit that empowers and enables us to experience that comfort of God. So there's a very Trinitarian nature to this going on. And so in order to experience the love of God, uh, the, the comfort of God, we, we come to him by faith in Christ, uh, through Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. In order to share the comfort of God with others, we share it uh, in the name of Christ, the comfort of the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, it's the same deal. Now, what has happened is we have been comforted. We become channels through which God cha uh, comforts others. We're being joined together to walk together, to be brave and courageous together. And that's called the unity of the body of Christ. And that's called walking together in the life of the Spirit. And so this word comfort, as, as, I, as I indicated earlier, is just a marvelous, beautiful picture of what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Comforted by God, comforting others, walking together in the comfort, the power of God's comfort for us. Now, I think this has some very practical, very, very practical uh, ramifications to it. When you are called upon to offer comfort to someone else, you are not being asked 
to take away their burden. Only God can do that. You are not being asked to fix their problem. Only God can do that. You're not even being asked to make them feel better. Only God can do that. When you're called to comfort someone, all you are actually being asked to do is to point them to the love of the Father made known in the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, that changes a lot of things. Now, have you ever said, oh, well, my, uh, uh, my friend has, has just lost a loved one, a wife, maybe even a child. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Of course you don't know what to say. There's nothing to say. What you're called upon to do is to go and to sit with that person, to be brave with them, to be called alongside them, and simply to say to them, I'm here and I love you. And can I pray for you? And the Holy Spirit will take it from there. I mean, if you want just a very practical thing, you know, it, we, we have this idea we have to go and make people feel better. Oh, they're grieving. I've got to make them feel better. No. You simply have to let them see Jesus in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Very easy way to do that. Just go up to them and say, I'm so sorry about your loss. Tell me about it. Simple questions like, where were you when you found out? When was the last time you spoke together? You'd be surprised how, how therapeutic it is just to listen to people. And you can do that when you know the comfort is God's and not yours. And you're trusting the Holy Spirit to work in that person's life and not your wisdom and your own strength. Which is a very practical sort of thing to do. Uh, the other part about it is that when we are despondent and in need of comfort, you don't have to figure it all out. And you don't have to straighten it all out. And you don't have to have all the answers. And you don't have to have everything in place. You don't even have to have your feelings under control. All you have to do is know that God is sovereign and that in his son Jesus Christ he has provided a way that we might know him and that he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit that we would be brought to him. And you just luxuriate in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That takes a lot of weight off you. It takes a lot of the burden off you. And so... Well, this morning what I've uh, wanted to do was to suggest to you that in the matter of comfort, which is really a very, very large picture of what it means to go through life, to know God, to know his salvation, a very, uh, uh, very fine picture of what it means to be in the body of Christ and united to one another and walking life's journey together, that this issue of comfort points us straight to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why he says, I thank God who's the Father of all mercy, the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, for his comfort and the Holy Spirit is the great comforter. And when we start to do that, then God gets the glory. And that's really what it's all about. Okay? Let's bow for prayer then. Uh, Father in heaven, I just thank you that you've never once left us. You've never abandoned us even in our times of rebellion, even in our times when we have done our dead-level best to get away from you, you have hounded us and you have searched us out and you have found us. I thank you even for the work of the Spirit that puts upon us a burden of conviction that would call us out of our self-will and into your glorious light. Father, I thank you that you've never left us. I thank you especially that you have come to us in the person of Jesus Christ your Son incarnate, 
that we might see you in him. And I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that makes all this possible, that, that turns the words into reality and who turns the, the, uh, just the theory into a very practical experience of your glory. Father, I pray for those in this room this morning who are suffering and who are sorrowing. I pray your comfort would come upon each one. And Father, as you ask us to be channels of comfort, give us the courage of faith to be obedient, to trust your Holy Spirit to work and minister through us. I thank you for it all. I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we conclude and the Holy Spirit moves your heart to make a, conviction, a, a, a confession of Christ, a decision for Jesus, respond quickly, respond obediently as the call of God's grace comes to you.